Once a man said, if I had some extra money, I'd give it to God, but I don't have enough. I just have enough to support myself and my family. And the same man said, if I had some extra time, I'd give it to God. But every minute is taken up with my job, my family, my clubs, and many other things, including my TV shows that I love to watch. Every single minute is full. And the same man said, if I had a talent, I'd give it to God. But I have no lovely voice. I have no special skill. I've never been able to lead a group. I can't think cleverly or quickly. Not the way that I would want to. Now God was touched by that man's words. And God gave that man money and time and a glorious talent. And then God waited. And God waited. And God waited some more. After quite a while, God shrugged God's shoulders and God took all those things back from the man. The money, the time, and the glorious talent. After a while, the man sighed and said, if I only had some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had some of that time, I'd give it to God. If I could only rediscover that glorious talent, I would give it to God. And God wept. And the man told some of his friends, you know, I'm not so sure I believe in God anymore. The ending of both of our video and our parable are rather sad, aren't they? Sure, the woman walks out of the butcher shop with a, a big grin on her face, but she's off to donate that old freezer-burned turkey to her church. And the man is left hoping for some extra money and time and talent. But if he got them back, got back all those things, do you think he would really use them to glorify God and to grow the kingdom? Well, possibly. But, well, also maybe not. Jesus tells us, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. The fact is God has given each and every one of us much much time, talent, and treasure. More than enough for each of us to be fruitful stewards of God's gifts. The problem is, it's not that we haven't been gifted. Rather, we are likely following the wrong map on our discipleship journey. One day, a man went sailing on the Chesapeake Bay he really had little experience and had never sailed a, a boat that large or had been in waters that he had to navigate. And unfortunately, he ran his sailboat aground. The Coast Guard came and towed him to safe waters. And then they asked to see the chart that he was using. And he handed them something that he had printed off the internet. 
off of mapquest.com. The man had been navigating with a road map, not a nautical chart. There was, of course, no information about water depth and shoals and obstacles, buoys or channels. Now, Christians, Christians can operate sometimes in the same way when it comes to how we use the most important things in our lives, how we walk with Christ, how we're stewards of the gifts that we are given. We may want to give, but we never plan a course of action that will allow us to give as we would want to. Perhaps you've heard the John Campbell quote, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Our walk with Christ calls us to new ways of living, including how we relate to our money. Scripture allows numerous passages that underscore the significance of giving. And Jesus talked much about how to use our money. Scripture talks about giving a tithe or giving 10% of our possessions. It was considered a standard of giving. For example, in Genesis chapter 14, Abram gave a tenth, 10% of everything to God. The prophet Malachi calls upon God's people to rely genuinely upon God by offering the tithe even implying that when God's people test God's faithfulness, they will find God's presence and promise forever true. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, says Malachi, so that there may be food in my house, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. But a tithe wasn't the only way that we were told to give. Proverbs remind us, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Giving first fruits then and now is an important act of thankfulness and faith. Giving first fruits is giving the best and the first of our fruit to the Lord and not simply offering the leftovers from our freezer. It's giving in affection and thankfulness because God fills our lives to overflowing and moves in powerful and miraculous ways that only God can. When we put our faith in God, God reveals God's faithfulness to God's people. And as we saw last week, our thankfulness brings amazing transformation to our lives. There are at least five kinds of first fruits that can be identified in Scripture. And I want to talk briefly about each of them with you today. The first of the first fruits is the first harvest. In the Old Testament, God commanded God's people to give the first and best portions of the harvest as an offering to God. 
including grain and olive oil, new wine, honey, wool, fruit, and even their herds and their flocks. By giving their first fruits, the Israelites acknowledged that all the harvest, in fact, everything they had, came from God and belonged to God. But it was also an expression of faith. Something else that you need to know the harvest of the rest of the crop would come later. First fruits were given at the Feast of Harvest that we read about in our, our reading today. The second use of first fruits in Scripture is Israel. Israel is also a first fruit. Using the term symbolically, the prophet Jeremiah called Israel the first fruits of God's harvest. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 3, we're told Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. Just as the first and choicest crop were devoted to God, Israel was God's chosen people, a set-apart people. But it is also important to see that Israel was God's first fruits, not God's only fruits. It was anticipated that other peoples and nations would also be coming to the Lord. The third first fruits of Scripture is the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8, 23, we have the Spirit as the first fruits. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste. The Holy Spirit is the first installment of our future glory. The Holy Spirit is God's pledge that more is coming in our resurrected life. Now, the fourth first fruit in Scripture is Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ. When Paul writes, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who died. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul is drawing an analogy between the Hebrew scriptures on the one hand and the offering talked about there and Jesus' resurrection. As in the Hebrew scriptures, First fruits symbolized and consecrated the entire harvest that was to follow. Christ's resurrection is the foretaste, the foretaste of the resurrection of all believers yet to come. His resurrection is for you the assurance that one day all believers will be raised from the dead. You see, Jesus has led the way for you. Through his resurrection, we too will receive resurrected life and new and resurrected bodies. The fifth first fruit of scriptures is you. Yes, you. You as a believer in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 15, verse 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Verse 15, Paul uses the words first fruit 
but in the new revised standard version at least, and certainly in others, it's not translated into the English as first fruits, but as first converts, first converts to Christ. And as we have already heard in James chapter 1 from today's New Testament reading, past and current disciples of Jesus are first fruits. He chose you, James writes, to give us birth through the word of truth that you might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This birth or new birth that we have experienced is, is only a preview of the day to come when God will make all things new in a new heaven and a new earth. Sisters and brothers, it is so very important that we claim with our lives, with all of our lives, and yes, even how we use our money, that we claim what God says we are, that we claim, as God tells us, that we are Jesus' first fruits. And in the word of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race. Claim that today. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sisters and brothers, you are the first fruits of thankfulness. Amen.